0: Kamal Khan to see you.
1: Bond has escaped. How careless of you. I apologize. Oh, by the way, Kamal, I'd like you to meet my new house guest. Uh, an old friend of the family, you might say. How lovely. You have a nasty habit of surviving what they say about the fittest.
0: Hey everybody, I am Murphy, Joel Murphy, and I'm Andy McIntyre. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where Andy doesn't commit to the bits, but I do.
1: <laughs> hey, I was your hetero life mate for Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, so... That's
0: true. I thought we were doing like a new thing where like we do like <laughs> a fun little bit at the top with the, the show, but fine if we're not.
1: <laughs> I just... I thought, and I think accurately, that it was so much funnier that I didn't do it.
0: Oh, no, it was. It was totally the right choice. I'm really glad you didn't do it.
1: (laughs) Anyways, yeah. uh, You know, we're continuing our talk about uh, extended franchise deep cut sequels. And uh, this week, we are talking about one of the most prolific franchises, the James Bond franchise. Uh, And we're going to be talking about the... Uh, of the several maligned Roger Moore James Bond movies, we're going to talk about Octopussy. Yeah, because James, it has a funny name.
0: It does have a funny name that might have contributed to why we picked it. Yeah, it. It's an interesting thing because I mean, and granted, uh, we you know we've already played fast and loose with the rules as if we were James Bond uh, in some sort of you know betting situation where we're just we're all in and we're going crazy, but uh last week we you know we did the view askew, you know, which is kind of but like Bond is interesting because how you classify like what is a sequel considering with all the recasting and with all the different iterations of james Bond like do you look at it as all one thing or you do you, is each bond you know it's not like Doctor Who I don't think where like all the doctors yeah. share a continuity necessarily
1: yeah there's um it's really just more various episodes within that involve these characters that there's a bond, there's an M, there's a Q, there's a miss money penny and so on. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's very rarely do movies have direct impact on the subsequent movies. The Daniel Craig ones are a little bit of an exception there where they've kind of been sort of followed a slight bit of narrative through line, the sort of connected that been connective tissue there. Um, and it's very clear that it's, you know, the same bond from the previous movie, but, it's also very episodic in that it's just hitting a essentially a reset button, where it's this gentleman spy gallivanting around the world and saving the day.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So with sequels, however you count it, because I mean, even if you go with like just the Roger Moore, or, or however, you, however you break it
1: down, it counts. It counts as it what counts, I'm saying. Counts one hundred percent. It definitely <laughs> counts. There's no, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that this counts.
0: Yeah. So. Now that, you know, in case that was your concern, now that we have quelled that concern, let's talk about Octopussy, which is, I think, a sentence I always knew I would say on this show at some point.
1: I would say I utter that sentence two, three times a month, just in case someone's like, yeah, let's talk about Octopussy. Yeah,
0: I got to say, you know, this movie, I completely understand why it is maligned uh but it is perhaps the best James Bond film ever that revolves around uh fake Fabergé eggs
1: so it definitely has that going for it yeah uh you can add enough qualifiers to make this into a good movie <laughs> um yeah this uh i'm it's, a big fan it's not fan. even
0: i don't even think you can say that it's the best James Bond film with a female
1: character who has pussy in her name
0: unfortunately cuz no, pussy you can't. galore
1: you, you know Pussy Galore is a, both a better Bond girl, and that is a, sort of, like, Goldfinger is sort of considered the gold standard, pun intended, of Bond movies. Yeah, so it doesn't even have that qualifier, unfortunately. No, it, it really doesn't. Um, I'm a big fan of the James Bond franchise. Uh, definitely really love it. Like, I've read a lot of the books that were produced that are sort of the, you know, the source material for it. And, yeah, uh, I, yeah I'm I dis- a Bond guy.
0: I discovered in doing this show that you own all of the James Bond movies when we were talking about doing this episode. Like I, I did not know that about you. Uh, that's cool though. I, I I'm less, uh, you know, I, w- I wouldn't describe this. I've seen a lot of the movies, uh, but I've definitely, I definitely have not seen all of them. Uh, and you know, they're like I, I enjoy them. I really like the Daniel Craig iteration overall, except for the one that they wrote. Uh,
1: during the writer strike that is not good that we could very well do on this show <laughs> we could we could talk about quantum of solace that's yeah. i think a valid thing um yeah i mean every bond has his peaks and valleys maybe except for george Lazenby, he only did one movie but it was still, it was a good movie so he didn't maybe he doesn't have the valley i don't know yeah movie was all peak it was all peak, baby. Well, most of it did take place on a mountain, so that's kind of a nice pun that you you backed yourself into. So
0: we'll pretend
1: I did that on purpose. Yeah, let's let's do that. Um, but yeah, so uh, Roger Moore, I think, was a good James Bond that did a lot of bad James Bond movies. Yeah, um, he's he's good in the role. Like it's not on him. You know, I mean, I think. We could. I mean, I'm sure there are countless podcasts where people talk about the minutiae of the James Bond series and the the universe and all, all the things that surround it. So I don't necessarily want to do that. But uh, that Roger Moore having done six films, you know, tied with Sean Connery, six official like Eon Bond films. Um, How close is is Daniel Craig to that? He's he's
0: got to be. This will uh, be five, I think. Yeah, the one so he's out. he could very. Although I feel like there is always. Like I feel like he's always trying to get out of his
1: contract. <laughs> like there's a- yeah, I think it's just a clever game he plays that he's yeah. he's sort of method acting because his bond frequently doesn't want to be James Bond. <laughs>
0: yeah, but it's like every film I feel like there's been some discussion of if he will come back for it, and then he does. I I am excited. I know that the the new James Bond film. Uh, it looked good, and I know Phoebe Waller-Bridge was involved in some of the rewrites. Yeah, she was, she was one of the writers, so... But that I, it is one of the many uh, things to get delayed because of COVID, so it is, uh, you know, indefinitely postponed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so who knows when that'll actually make theaters. I'm excited for it. The trailer looked cool. It um, did. No, I, I... You know, in a parallel universe where... <laughs>
0: Uh, we are not ravaged by disease i i've probably
1: seen it and loved it so let's hope and maybe one day that'll be a true statement for this the darkest mm-hmm. timeline <laughs> all right so anyways let's talk about octopusy let's get to the matter at hand um <clears throat> so i already
0: teased you know the idea that so we start with fake faberge eggs and yeah. and bond just going ham of just I don't care, Sotheby's. Like, I'll I'll interrupt your <laughs> bidding for these Fabergé eggs, and and I'll bet. It. Like, it's also. I mean, maybe this is a problem with all James Bond films, but it is kind of funny to watch his superiors try to get upset about how much he bid on that egg, as if he's ever been financially responsible in any situation ever in the history of James Bond.
1: <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. It's uh and I mean. I don't know. It seemed like he knew what he was doing and that he he it seemed like he had the restraint to stop when he knew he wouldn't get over bit. Well, this is the classic. So uh,
0: maybe you can help me out because, again, I think you know more about this. But to me, some of the staples that you're going to have in every James Bond thing and we, we get a, a straight up gambling situation. But this is sort of the the bond, the gambler, you know, where he. His opponent, he's sizing him up and he is kind of bluffing, but knows that he, you know, it's just like nerves of steel. Right. You know, like I, I know you'll swerve before me, so I I can keep upping this because I know how much to push it.
1: Right. That's I think that is a staple that, that Bond always seems to be aware of the odds in every situation. Yeah. And, Better than the people around him that think he's being reckless, but he, I don't think he views himself as reckless ever. And I i think that's a truism of every incarnation of Bond is that he is viewed as a reckless agent, but. He thinks he's he feels like he's totally in control at all times, which is funny because if we're, if we're delving into that territory, I think
0: the gambling is the least problematic of James Bond's tendencies for sure. I mean, the uh, the constant drinking and uh, you know, just various forms of uh, I. You know what? I'll just say it because it's true of this movie. Every interaction that he has with any woman ever is yeah, uh, some level of problematic.
1: <laughs> um, There's sort of a great little known SNL skit where uh, they do James Bond getting a physical and the doctor just reveals all of the STIs that he has. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you, you have one STI that's t- previously only present in sharks. <laughs>
0: yeah and it's just i mean like this film too like it's so i mean you know it's a lot of james bond is inevitably not going to age well i don't know how (laughs) good it was at the time but certainly in this film when he gets a spy cam and immediately uses it to to film like a woman's cleavage is you know just
1: yeah and it's very much played as like oh you scamp you know right and i mean i think Almost every single James Bond movie features him like almost fighting a woman and then instead making love to her. Like mm-hmm. that's that's as much a staple as the, the Walter PPK or the gadgets or anything.
0: OK, yeah. yeah. Well, so I started this halfheartedly and we certainly didn't plan this before the show. So maybe this isn't a great. But let's let's see if we because maybe that'll help for this episode, if we can kind of see if we can hit on what's expected of a James Bond film and then how well this this movie did that. So, yeah, I think
1: that's that's a good exercise.
0: So we talked about you need a gambling, you need a good, like, nerves of steel, you know, gam... It's, it's Bond's version of, you know, the classic hero and villain play a game, of, a literal game of chess. You know, you got to show them matching wits to kind of right. establish it. Um, so you have to have that. You have to have uh, a femme fatale that he, you know,
1: r- makes love to while also... <laughs> You know, like like she's playing both sides. You that know. may have questionable allegiances. Yep, that's that's not in every movie, but is is standard enough to be a trope of the Bond universe. It's yeah, certainly yeah. present in Octopussy.
0: Yeah, so you got to have a lot of gadgets. You, you know, and obviously we talked about the people that you you got to have a Q.
1: You got to have you know all the standard characters. There's always a henchman with a particular skill set. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, the knife throwing twins and um, the the saw guy. He's, oh yeah, the saw guy. Yeah, don't want to forget him. Um, there's usually like a, pre- a chase scenes are are staples of the Bond franchise. Yeah, you gotta have chase scenes. You
0: get you, you gotta have uh, various locales. Like he needs to to globe trot. Certainly, yep. uh, I I feel like maybe is it every film? Like I feel like every film he has some very calm conversation with the villain. <laughs> or they yeah, like were they very civil to each other
1: that is that is a pretty standard thing and whether it's before he knows that he's the villain or any of those any of those situations but yeah that's that's usually a pretty standard trope of the bond universe of oh, just
0: like british politeness as you're facing off against a, a you know a, a terrible like just a monster just monster but you it you're still uh, norms require you to to be like, and that's in this movie. They have that scene where it's like he's he's sitting down uh, with Khan, right? Is the yeah, Kamal with, Khan, yeah, yeah. Where they're they're having dinner and he's talking about how he's going to torture him, but he still has to like stay for the dinner. Like he can't
1: just like get up <laughs> and leave. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you get served sheep's head, you're gonna eat it. You know, I yeah, mean, just goes without saying. Um Yeah, and I think I think this. This is a pretty paint by numbers. It ticks all the boxes of a Bond movie. Definitely doesn't break any new ground. Um, And I think that's probably the thing about it is that it's just not that interesting compared to almost every other. Most of the other movies in the franchise do Uh things this movie does better.
0: You know, I sorry, I forgot one of the tropes that's in every oh, Bond yeah. film, which is inevitably there is a scene where he puts on full clown makeup
1: and interrupts a circus. Right. You know, yes. that always that- happens. God, if I had a nickel for that, I'd have 26 nickels because it happened in all 26 James Bond movies. And
0: that's what I liked about Daniel Craig is, you know, they took a like a grittier, you know, more modern approach. And and, when he put on that clown makeup, I mean, it was, you know, it was haunting.
1: You know, Joker gets all the credit, but... But Daniel Craig playing a clown in Inspector in Quantum of Solace, any of those. Yeah. It was I really... mean, that, if we were talking about Quantum of Solace, Daniel Craig and the clown makeup would have been the silver lining. I think that goes without saying. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was my
0: Quantum of Solace in, while watching that film, for sure. I think I used that correctly. I still don't know what Quantum of Solace means, if I'm being It doesn't you. mean anything. Yeah. I, <laughs> I understand um, those words
1: separate of each other. <laughs> Yeah, quantum typically deals with small things and time travel. If I watch the Avengers movies correctly, yeah, it's
0: sciency and uh, you know quantum leap for sure. You know, right? Uh, and then solace is like, you know, you're relieved. Yeah, it's relieved when you're British. I think that's you. Yeah. Yeah, only British people can have solace.
1: O- only British people can have solace. So yeah. If you are wondering if you're British and don't have the money for twenty three and Me, are you feeling solace in that fact? Mm-hmm. Then. Then you're British. There but you if go. you're <laughs> just feeling relief, then yeah. you're not British. So there you we go, we saved it. you the money. Saved and you the money. Possible future
0: government tracking. Look, I'm not gonna get off on that. Tangent, I'm not we're but... not gonna go too far down that rabbit hole. Um
1: <laughs> Yeah, so um I guess to hit a little bit there's the clown scene is ridiculous. Like that's just one of the dumbest things and is often sought or cited as a low point in the Bond franchise.
0: Well the uh, do we want to talk about the end? I don't know if that's skipping ahead. I don't know if there's other stuff that we should talk about. But the end is baffling for a number of reasons. And one of them for sure is the fact that he's dressed as a clown. Like full, like Bozo the Clown. Clown, get up, which... Okay, all right. Let's do it. Well, maybe we'll skip back. You know, I don't know the exact... But let's talk about... So we get to the end where there's there's a bomb. There's a literal bomb that's going to go off on a, an American military base, which is... Man, the 80s were a different time than now because the plan is to have a nuclear bomb go off so that America will get rid of their nuclear bombs, which is wild. Even with the logic of this movie of like, well, they'll assume it went off by accident. Yeah, maybe. But like you think there's no scenario where this works that America disarms.
1: Yeah, In 1983, there's no scenario where Ronald Reagan's like, yes, well... Maybe we should reduce those arms. Yeah,
0: like it's, that doesn't happen. It's a wild plan, but uh, <laughs> like, so they're they're trying to set off a bomb at a military base, at a circus, and James Bond. Like, so it's really bizarre because you're you're sort of going along, you're you're bonding as you should. Where there's a there's a train battle that that's you know again serviceable but not groundbreaking. He's fighting people on a train, then he falls off the train. Then he wanders through the woods for a while. Then he gets to a road. Then he tries to hitchhike and no one will pick him up. And then a group of teenagers show up in a car that I thought he would steal that like it looked like a a sporty type of car that James Bond. But no, the teenagers just make fun of him and then speed off. And then he walks for a while. And then there's a woman on a phone and he wants to use the phone And she won't get off of it. So then he steals her car. Like, it is possibly the saddest James Bond sequence that I've ever seen of just, you lost it, James. Like, I've watched a lot of these movies where you are a completely in control spy
1: and you cannot get any of it together. Yeah, no, it's it's just dumb. And then he goes and dresses up like a clown.
0: Oh, Um, right. Sorry. So then he gets to the military base. The cops are chasing him because he stole the car. And then apparently in the nineteen eighties, you can just plow through the barricade of an American military base
1: without getting mowed down like in any way. Like, well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like the eighties were a time of heightened military tension or anything like that. So, no, yeah, I can't I think, think of any tracks.
0: threats. Or yeah, no, definitely not. So you can just so then he drives on, He goes through the barricade, but then they're looking for him. Yet he has time to put on immaculate. Clown makeup. Like, it's perfect. Like, he... And he looks like the other clowns, which is weird. There's another clown that looks identical to him. Which In I don't the know. opening
1: scene, which is... Not the... The this, this first scene after the opening credits. Yeah. Um, where... And that clown, like, he's being chased by the knife-throwing brothers, Mishka and Grishka. And for whatever reason, while he's running away from them, is still carrying the balloons that he had. <laughs> He's look, you know, maybe he's not a great spy
0: because he certainly got uh, mowed down by them. But you cannot question his commitment to his character work.
1: That's fair, and I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. I'll 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 take that one back. Um, yeah, and it's just ridiculous, and and the fact that like he is talking to the the American general or the whoever the captain of the base is. Well,
0: uh, yeah, uh, so the, <laughs> he. He's got the clown makeup on. He goes out on stage during the performance and then goes up to the American general and can't understand why the guy's not taking him seriously. (laughs) You know what? This is a silver lining. We can stop the show right here. The silver lining is that James Bond in full clown makeup can't understand why the American general thinks it's hilarious and isn't listening to him.
1: Yeah. It's like oh wow there's a bomb in the explosive <laughs> cannon no way <laughs> it's uh it this is precisely why this movie is maligned i mean and it's also the silver lining maybe oh it's it's de- i'm filing it away it'll come back up here by the end it, of the show it's it's i will say if you want to call it anything it's preposterous in a way that J- james bond movies have never been preposterous before and James Bond movies notoriously stretch uh you know the the reaches of your disbelief and there's always stunts that shouldn't happen and situations that shouldn't happen but never has it been that he decided to dress up as a clown and then was confused as to why he wasn't being listened to
0: yeah i think it's maybe that's why i enjoyed it because i do feel like yeah, there's a lot of corny stuff. There's a lot of ridiculous stuff in James Bond movies. But there's usually not a willingness to make James Bond look that uncool and that ridiculous in a movie. And I I do kind of applaud them for just completely just being like, he's James Bond. He's notoriously... Like, just a charming, handsome, suave suave spy who always knows exactly what to say and do in every situation. But he is completely outmatched by teenagers and then the fact that he's in full-on clown makeup during a circus performance.
1: Yeah, um, maybe they should have recast Bond for this one because there was a lot of talk that they were going to start a new Bond and they
0: should have gotten um, Rowan it. Atkinson to play for this one.
1: <laughs> Eric Idle is James Bond. <laughs> Would have been great. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, because this movie came out the same year as the unofficial Bond movie, Never Say Never Again, which is just a remake of Thunderball with Sean Connery like 15 years older. And, you know, so that's why they didn't go with a new Bond because they wanted to make sure they had a tried and true James Bond in the form of Roger Moore. So... Yeah, and, uh, well, you know, Nailed I mean, it. the results on
0: the screen. So the proof is in the pudding, for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, Which in England,
0: even, pudding could mean anything. We don't even know. Could
1: mean, could mean anything. That's yeah, it's wild. Um, but he still did one more movie after this, because he did A View to a Kill a couple years later. So, you know, still going strong, that Roger Moore. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of other just absurd, ridiculous things. Uh,
0: when are we going to talk about Octopussy's name? Because I, I will. Re- we have to get to it before this show is over. So.
1: Oh, we. we I, I think let's 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 put a pin in that for a little okay. bit, and we'll come right, back we'll to circle it. Circle back. Um, so, uh, the scene that we played in the opening, um, is uh, immediately preceded by, uh, James Bond getting most dangerous gamed by Kamal Khan, mm-hmm. where they're hunting. They just like let him go and hunt him on on elephant back.
0: Yeah, I really was trying to figure out what Khan's exact plan for James Bond was, because it was tell him that you're like, I guess it was just to hunt him for sport, because it was like, let him know that you're going to torture him and then just let him walk away.
1: Yeah. Um And that that sequence has some ridiculous stuff. Uh one should we are intel- we putting a, oh sorry are we putting a
0: pin in the crocodile costume that james bond has or are we talking about that now
1: oh i think that because that comes later so let's put a pin in the cro- okay i don't want to forget oh, but i think we just talked about the <laughs> <laughs> um screw it we're we're in it we're in it now let's talk about this um so when i was watching it uh, I, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time and had forgotten about the crocodile costume. And during the aforementioned chase, uh, there were they used, used footage of real crocodiles, mm-hmm. and it was like you know fine. And they probably had some real crocodiles on set because they usually used real animals. Uh, and then when I'm watching the next scene, I'm like, man, that is a fake-looking crocodile. Yeah, and they just and then I see that mouth open and James Bond's head is like peeking through, and. It
0: just—I don't know if it was the inspiration for Ace Ventura: Two When Nature Calls, but it had a very Ace Ventura <laughs> doing surveillance vibe to it.
1: Yeah, the, the, there was definitely some of that. So that was that was ridiculous. Uh, back to the him being hunted. There's him telling a tiger, a wild tiger, to sit, and it listens. No, that was great. That was good. Yeah. Um. There's him not Roger Moore doing the Tarzan yell while swinging through vines, just uh recycled audio, of probably Johnny Weissmuller. Um, the, like the original Tarzan from like the old, the first like sort of movie serials uh, as he swings through the trees. Yeah. That, so that was, was weird. I, I did write that in my notes.
0: I just wrote Tarzan <laughs> scream in my notes. Cause I was like, don't want to forget that
1: this happened. Can they never do that again? Unless it's a Tarzan movie, please. Like that's, yeah, even the every, even the Wilhelm scream at this
0: point I'm ready to retire like
1: I'll take the Wilhelm scream because sometimes it's like hidden enough in the soundscape that like it
0: If a good sound designer is on it, they can disguise it, but yeah, they
1: they when it's when they draw attention to it. Yeah, that that's a different thing. Cuz I think cuz there was I think there's a Wilhelm scream in the last, the final battle of uh, Avengers Endgame and it, but it was like mixed in with everything that sort of fit. Yeah, and at the same time, like, were they to make more Indiana Jones movies, like the Wilhelm scream is part of the Indiana Jones.
0: Yeah, that's probably what I associate it with, you know.
1: Yeah, um, but
0: also don't make more Indiana Jones movies. Oh well, yeah, so also then don't the the problem do that. solved. You know, but. right? Let's let's, yeah, please don't do that. Um, we only yeah. have so many episodes of this show. We can't, we can't cover all of your new Indiana Jones movies that you keep making.
1: Yeah, we could try, but we don't want to. There's so many other movies that we have to find silver linings of. Uh, but yeah, that was just ridiculous. Um, I did kind of like when he unbuckled the, uh, the saddle belt for the elephant. When the guy shot the gun, he sort of slapsticked off the side of the elephant. You know what? That was that was good. a fun. That was, I liked that. It was good. Um, I don't know how he got under the elephant unseen. That he kind of did that by editing, but. Yeah. Even but still, it was, a, it was a nice little guy. But gag. it was fun.
0: It was a fun bit of business, as, as they yeah. say. You know.
1: A little, little good bit of business. Um, so yeah. Uh, And all of this is before he face-to-face meets the titular Octopussy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he meets Octopussy. Are we pulling uh, the pin? We, uh, we're pulling the pin. Okay.
0: All right, so and perhaps you know this. I, I looked it up. <laughs> uh, so the, there is an Ian Fleming short story called uh, Octopussy. Called Octopussy. That her backstory that she gives to James Bond about her dad is that story pretty right. much, and so they the makers of this movie took. Oh, real. And it was actually, uh, it was the last Ian Fleming, James Bond short story mm-hmm. uh, that I, I think was published posthumously. If I, yeah. Um, that is correct. But so they took that as like, that was my father and I, you know, like I'm tying that. But so then, so in that story, the, the titular <laughs> octopusy of the Ian Fleming story is an actual octopus. That was the guy's pet octopus, and that's what he called it. Which feels flimsy, but you know, pussy cat, like I could I, sure, it's a pet and you're being whimsical
1: with it, I guess. We've we've all referred to our various pets as kitties or doggos or doggies or whatever. Yeah, it's it's kind of that vibe. Like he's he's
0: being a little like memey with it in the story. But then, for this film, she has adopted... So, it is Indiana Jones in that, you know, we named the dog Indiana. Like,
1: (laughs) we named... You were named after a dog?
0: (laughs) (laughs) We named the octopus octopussy. You know, but so she's... She is using the name and she claims that it was what her father... It was her father's nickname for her.
1: Yeah. Uh, so her character's given name is Octavia Charlotte Smythe. Yeah, obviously. Um. So that maybe he called her Octopussy as a play on Octavia.
0: He's sort of like Dr. Otto Octavius,
1: you know, Doc Ock from, yeah. from Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man. Um, yeah, so it's... I don't know why, like, this movie didn't need to be called Octopussy. No, well, also But it because, did need to be called Octopussy, because it's just so... Um, yeah, yeah, I...
0: It's just such a... I don't know what you would call this movie, because it's so weird. Like, all of the choices are really baffling. Why? Why does the first act revolve around fake Fabergé eggs why is she named Octopussy why does all of this just amount to like build up for the fact that they're building a bomb to bomb America to get America to disarm their bombs and they're gonna do it at a circus like there's way too much happening in this movie and none of it fits with anything else like it's just a series of it almost feels like a bot wrote this movie. Like it's it just It is it is definitely a pastiche of Bond tropes. Yeah, it's just randomly generated ideas. You know, there's a train and the I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that the the literal end of the movie involves James Bond just holding on to a plane that contains Khan and Octopussy and he's trying to get control of it, you know, to save her.
1: Yeah, that um that's the type of preposterous that you normally see in a bond movie. He usually does some ridiculous stunt of some kind where you know he defies logic and everything
0: also this um, is, that's in- so the that's the end, and we had the scene with the circus, but in between them, there is also the island which is not called Thimskara but might as well be of like the island of all female warriors that uh they're all staying on, who are all dressed like the Incredibles. Uh, they they lead an uprising to to thwart Khan, but he escapes.
1: Right on the to, on the plane that we mentioned yeah, before. Yeah. So I don't want to leave that gap out, though. Yeah, with his saw guy who you gets killed by getting guy. hit in the face with an antenna.
0: Yeah, not saw related his death. Like,
1: yeah. it's disappointing. Um, yeah, it's it's like this. It's this is one of the more incoherent Bond movies, Mm because usually there's a pretty like typically Bond movies are pretty linear. Maybe there's a twist where someone you thought was good was bad or someone you thought was bad was good. Like maybe there's some double crossing shenanigans like that. But usually these movies aren't twist dependent, you know, or anything like that. And they're pretty straightforward. This movie just bounces from, you know, the only thing it didn't have that's a staple of Bond movies is like a ski chase. Yeah. But usually usually they either do this like the winter exotic locale or this like the tropical exotic locale and this was the more tropical one. So. Yeah.
0: There also there was just a whole opening action scene that didn't did it tie into everything else? Am I forgetting how it ties? It's just an opening just a
1: Yeah, but that's that's a pretty standard thing. Yeah. He, uh the Daniel Craig ones have linked it to the plot a little bit more than yeah. a lot of the other movies. Um And I think some of that started with Goldfinger because that's where you first meet 006. Right. And then he doesn't show up again until, like, the very end as the one behind everything.
0: But this movie, simultaneously, it has the Bond mission, but then it also has this other agent dressed as a clown failing. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Same Um, clown
0: makeup. Maybe Maybe there's a class that they all have to take to be British spies where you learn how to do perfect clown makeup.
1: Yeah, you have one of the one of the you know the electives is clowning mm-hmm. where they have some of the famous like you know european clown school french circus clowns teach yeah they bring in like really you know uh,
0: sometimes they have fun with it and they'll bring in like violent J to do a guest seminar <laughs> or something but
1: uh <laughs> oh. i'll have a fago shaken
0: not stirred
1: um, a shaken fago is a staple of the <laughs> gathering of the juggalos. That's... Well, you
0: got to get them to spray. You know, you yeah, got to shake no, them up a... and then spray them all over. The, yeah, obviously. Also, hey, look. You know, if if you want to get to six Daniel Craig James Bond movies, and as we established, there has to be a clown scene. If you want Andy and I to come on board to write James Bond infiltrates
1: the gathering of the juggalos,
0: I think whoop we whoop. can. I think we can do that. <laughs>
1: That's that's the one area that I think hasn't been touched by the Bond franchise is the yeah. gathering of the Juggalos. I'd like
0: to get some in
1: <laughs> I'd watch it. I, like, I I would, too. I would wa- watch Daniel Craig in full Juggalo makeup. The Bond girl is a Juggalette, you know. Oh, that'd be so great. And then he doesn't it, know right, what she looks like. That'd be a good, That could be a reveal of like, because
0: she has full clown makeup on.
1: Yeah, and she's just drenched in in fago red. So. The, the villain throws hatchets. <laughs> like it writes itself. That's all we're saying is that. And they're trying to do something with magnets, but they don't know how they work. Yeah, the, yeah. The, to save the day, he has to teach the juggalos how to use magnets. We did it. We've. This is podcast has surprisingly turned into successful movie pitches. So almost every week we come up with some great movie based on the maligned movie. So that's a, a hidden silver lining, if you will. Yeah, there you go. That's the meta show that you didn't know you signed up for. So, um, But I think now's a good time as any, unless there's anything you really need to, to hammer home about this to pivot to what the silver linings were.
0: I'll say this. this is the last thing I want to say, because I was kind of hoping, you know, I wasn't sure how this movie was going to be. And I, I had to file it away. I was like, you know what? Might just be a lock for a silver lining, uh, for a Bond film. Although not necessarily. But I was like, let's see what this theme song is. Maybe, maybe it's going to have an iconic theme song. You know, I mean, Liver Let Die, like that's you got that one. So it's it's entirely possible that like, you know, uh, there's been a lot of great Bond theme songs. Not so much with All Time High by Rita
1: Coolidge. Yeah, this is. I'm going to just go ahead and say, not the worst James Bond theme song, but easily the most forgettable.
0: Yeah. Super, like, you know, I don't know if this will play with our audience. I don't know how young our audience is, but maybe this will hit with you. Like, very, like, USA, up all night vibe to this. (laughs) Like, like a little just like, you know, like you're watching Silk Stockings or something like that. It was just very, like, 80s saxophone, like, vague you know oh man maybe someone's going to take their top off in this movie like kind of music not good yeah, not,
1: not going to happen but yeah. um yeah this uh yeah all time high is definitely on the lower echelon of uh James Bond theme songs which is usually like one of the things like the, that the the theme song is as associated with the bond movie uh, as typically there is um you know the goldfinger theme is great mhm um you know the the Daniel Craig ones. I thought of all had pretty decent themes. I mean Adele, the Adele Skyfall is that's a great song. Good. Yeah, no, that one's great. Um, yeah, the Sam Smith one is so so, even though it won an Oscar. But yeah. I don't know. Um, but the Jack White one for Quantum of Solace mm-hmm. is is uh, I think oft forgotten. And the Chris Cornell one for Gold or for uh, Casino Royale is actually really good. It's called You Know My Name. You should give it a listen. It's a good song. Yeah.
0: Cornell's uh, had some yeah. some surprise hits with, uh, you know, the because like, he he I always forget until it plays that he wrote a song that's like in the Avengers.
1: Like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that he does the the theme song to the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay.
0: So I just wanted to get that out of the way because I was disappointed by the song and I was hoping that the song was going to be a uh, silver lining and it was not.
1: No, it was not. So, um. I think, I mean, it's a Bond movie and Mm -hmm. it it hits a lot of the, it definitely ticks the boxes of a Bond movie. So, um, I think, you know, if you expect it to be the best of the Bond movies, it probably isn't, but there are still some, like the opening action scene, I think is really good with the the tiny, like, uh, prototype jet and everything like that. Um, that scene, I I think... If the movie had the same pacing as the opening scene, I think it would have been a much better movie.
0: Yeah, I did enjoy the, the closing, like, cl- hanging on to the airplane. The airplane fight was cool. Yeah, that was yeah. cool. The, the train one, not so much. Uh, and we talked enough about the circus. But, like, I, yeah, I, I feel like it bookended with two good action pieces.
1: Yeah, I thought um, when the Saw guy and the two knife twins ambushed Bond and Octopussy, that was a good fight. Like there was that felt like you felt the danger of it. Also at the Themyscira place,
0: I'm just gonna say it too. Saw guy, good, good option there. Because then the knife twins, I mean, that felt a little bit more. They weren't bad, but they're just kind of predictable. I like a guy that just throws a saw blade at people. Like that's a good James Bond choice. That's a good henchman,
1: like not the lead villain, just like a henchman thing. Yeah, he
0: he just throws a saw blade at your head.
1: That's terrifying. Yeah, and he just has a yo-yo saw blade that like it's 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 a cool weapon, it made for some cool sequences.
0: Yeah, I um, the the blade guy, the second one, you know, cuz the one gets killed and then the other guy wants to get revenge for his brother. Way too much time wasted uh throwing cuz he he at one point has bond like penned with the swords or with the knives and then he just really hesitates before he wants to even though he's an expert at throwing knives, he traps him and then wants to walk up and stab him with a right. knife, and then that gives him way too much time. So,
1: Oh, uh, it's not a silver lining, but I think it's a fun piece of Bond trivia. Uh, this is the only uh, time in the Bond series where james bond hears the james bond theme where it's diegetic music like played in the world and yeah not just that soundtrack.
0: is not a silver lining because i hated it when it happened <laughs> <laughs> but it ba- i think it bears mentioning it does um, bear mentioning because not only does he hear it he has a full-on conversation with the guy playing it. And is like what is that song let's talk about it more let's not just let it be a fun like that's the thing if a guy had played it and he kind of like gave a look i would have been like okay but they they have a full-on conversation about like what is that song when did, how 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 did you write it let's discuss your
1: process for this song like to just move on like <laughs> yeah because I mean Roger the Roger Moore Bond series was I think the winkiest he was the winkiest James Bond where he'd always kind of like half glance at the camera over some of the tropes it, it, it played a little his were a little sillier in that way um, but yeah if he had just like because when he meets VJ, who's like one of his contacts in India um he is a snake charmer because that's you know I mean, we're look, so well.
0: just, please, no, we didn't spend a lot of time on it, but most of this movie is super problematic and yes. we're aware of that. It's not, you know, like it, it, it's not excusable. It's just, it's not, you know, like we're, it just is, it just is.
1: Um, but yeah, if he had just kind of been like, like that, that's what made him turn his head and that was it. Like that would have been fine. Yeah. But it wasn't.
0: Uh, I, I thought, you know, when we played in the clip in the beginning, I will, the dialogue is good in this movie, like maybe, maybe. not super memorable, but it, it's, it's definitely like solid. The backgammon scene is good. Yeah. Like solid James Bond dialogue throughout. Again, I like the whole, like, you know, you have a knack for surviving and he's like, you know what they say about the fittest. The like, oh, that little fun, like, there's a lot of like fun James Bond. And when he's like talking about bidding on the egg and he's just like, I knew what I was doing. Like you just see it's all right. like cocky, like just great confident James Bond dialogue throughout.
1: Yeah. Um, I thought the Bond girls were solid as Bond girls go. Yeah. I, I mean, sure. And maybe not the most. They're, they're fine.
0: They're not, they're not bad by any means, but I don't know how, how ultimately memorable.
1: I will say that I, I, w- I liked Christina Wayborn who played Magda more than I liked Octopussy.
0: Yeah, I think that's what it is like. I'm, I'm really trying like I, I don't know what she would have done differently, but I that character in general just I, it didn't work for me like I just it, it was I don't know. It just didn't amount to much. It, it was a well, name she,
1: and then they she, didn't Yeah, she was only relevant to the plot to be named Octopussy, but if she hadn't been there, the movie wouldn't have been that different.
0: No, she doesn't. Yeah, I, I think that's what it was. Is just, it was kind of like you named the movie after her and then the character is sort of nothing. <laughs> well, and
1: especially because they they sort of build her up because she's like a faceless voice for a lot of the first half of the movie before yeah. she finally shows up. And then
0: I think it's there's a problem too with the, like she gets double-crossed, but then she doesn't really get a lot of like, again, they, they spend the first half building up like this idea that she's this force. And when she's double-crossed, it's really James Bond doing all the work to to save her and get her revenge. She doesn't really get to do much of her her own. It's just it's not a great character. Like it really no. isn't. Uh, yeah. So so again, I I don't blame her. You know the actress, but like it's just it's not a good part.
1: No, it's not. Um, but I, I like uh, the other Bond girl, Christina Wayborn. Um, yeah, she was definitely better. Like for she sure. was better. Um, yeah. I liked her. Little uh, escape rappel down the window with the fabric that was a that cool... was cool yeah that was a good uh, wasn't there
0: was there something with like her getting a photo with him too or like when they had did they like dinner and like I think didn't someone take his photo and she wanted it you know like there was I don't yeah, know some... there was like I, I'm half remember but like there was some nice like their scenes are like worked for me you know their their interactions felt very James Bond and yeah the. That, like, dive, the backwards dive out of the the balcony was cool. Yeah.
1: yeah. And even though we talked about some cheesy parts, I did like when they hunted him. I thought that there was a lot of fun in that. Yeah. Like, it was cheesy, but it was, like, cheesy in the James Bond kind of way. Like, also, in the good James Bond cheesy.
0: Uh And again, I mean, we did push back at it, but I did like all the use of the animals. Like, I liked that there was a tiger. I think they could have used it more effectively, but I liked there being, like, the tiger and the elephant and... all of that was good i i mean you know it's an ironic silver lining but it is really funny to me that he put on full clown makeup and no one listened to him and we got perhaps the saddest most ineffective james bond sequence in any of these movies where he can't it just none of it's working all of the charm has faded and he's a sad clown man that a general is laughing at
1: yeah, I'll, I think that counts. I think it's. Um, yeah, I'm gonna count it. I think it's the irony of it. <laughs>
0: yeah, we just you know we're seeing a side bo- a of Bond that we've never seen before.
1: Yeah, so I, I so should we run it back? Because I think we I think we I think we got them. I think, I think we're good. Yeah, what, what were they? <laughs> so we had some cool action sequences, especially yeah, yeah. for the early '80s, and um, especially bookending like
0: start strong, end strong. You know.
1: Yeah, and both with airplanes. Yeah sure um anyways so yeah so we had the good action sequences um the type of cheesy james bond you want in when he gets hunted by comic-con mm-hmm.
0: so good, that was good good dialogue throughout like good a lot of like very james bondy in how the he's good, and, uh, witty repartee yeah all of that's there um one good bond girl and one what? sadly forgettable bond girl <laughs> who
1: wasn't who was
0: unfortunately the title
1: character yes
0: uh so we had all that. Uh, I mean, we said it
1: before, we didn't say it
0: just now, but if we're doing the recap, uh James Bond in a fake crocodile disguise. You know what? Just in let's just do a blanket, fun, ridiculous disguises that will never be used in any other James Bond movie except this one.
1: Yeah, this this had a this had a lot of the it ticked the James Bond boxes. And I mean I think There are movies that definitely do it better. There are Roger Moore movies that do it better. But um, the downside is it's a little bit pastiche, just a little bit, you know, paint by numbers and doesn't really coherent. But at the same time, you get a lot of the good James Bond stuff that you want out of a James Bond movie. I I think that's yeah, I think that's it. I think we, we did it. I think we did it. Still undefeated, baby. We did we're still, it.
0: We're still undefeated. Look at us. We're a couple of James Bonds. We went up to this table. We stared you down. And we knew you'd fold first. Lack of silver linings. <laughs> <laughs> we defeated you once again. Uh, so I think all that's left to do, Andy, is if you, just want, you want to hit him with our classic
1: catchphrase. Martians don't play in middle America. There it is. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network Like this one
0: We Have to Ask It's a podcast where we answer the question Are you going to eat that?
1: What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty And I'm Jonathan We're two hosts Infinite universes We, we have, have to bed. Ask New interviews every Tuesday.
0: Find us on iTunes or online at wehaftotask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peaksloth Network at peaksloth.com.